Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast, the official podcast of Light Reading covering the technology, finance, and people powering tomorrow's communications networks. I'm Phil Harvey, U.S. News Editor, and on December 13th, Thursday, December 13th, I had a brief conversation with Gary Smith, the CEO of Sienna. Uh, Sienna grew its optical networking business by 10% in 2018. Uh, The company just had its earnings call, and in that call, it said that it now expects to average 6 to 8% revenue growth over the next three years. So it has quite a bit of momentum going into 2019. Um, And there are a lot of reasons for that. The company has some big customers in multiple bandwidth-hungry markets, Um, It sells to telecom carriers, the traditional type. It also sells to web scale and data center uh, providers all over the world. Um, And uh, and one of its largest competitors, Huawei, as we've covered on this podcast, is having something of a worldwide crisis. Um, Western governments are making it hard for the company to sell its products. Some big carriers are backing away from Huawei. And even if they're not replacing the company's gear, they might be pausing on future purchases due to security concerns and to sort of see, um, you know, how its troubles, uh, whether they multiply or go away over the next few months. And in the middle of all this, or actually off to the side, is uh, Sienna. Um, The company is uh, is executing uh, uh, really well um, on all fronts, it seems like. And at the top, the same guy's been the CEO for the last 17 years. Hasn't really uh, always been a smooth run, but Gary Smith has outlasted his competition. And uh, he's still, um, you know, he's still quite the sales guy. He's pounding the table for the company's ability to compete and take market share in optical networking. So we'll go on a quick break. And when we come back, my interview with Gary Smith, CEO of Sienna. So uh, the first thing I wanted to uh, uh, ask about, obviously there was a, um, a good quarter annual revenue up 10%. Um, is the growth coming from what you're selling as much as how you're selling it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, you know, an overall, the dynamics of the demand are, are very broad and uh, and I think are very robust, that's for sure. Um I think the second element, though, is that you know we clearly have leading technology in this space, uh, you know, and have had for a while, and I think we'll continue to do so. And I think the third thing is, Phil, we've just got global scale, and so our ability to combine, you know, a a focused player, you know, b has global scale, and c can take leading technology and put it through that. Uh, you know, the relationships we have with all the customers around the world, you know, that's just a, a flywheel that you're seeing right now, frankly. And that's what's delivering, you know, financial performance that you're seeing for the year, um, you know, and also the fact that we, we continue to take market share. Yeah, that, that's a, uh, another thing I was going to get into is the market share dynamic. Um, what, what's the key advantage you have over companies like Infinera? You know, they've Combined with Corient, they have uh, a bit more scale, a bit more reach into different market segments now. Um, how do you position Sienna against that company? 
Well, you know, not not specific to uh, that company, but I would say that, you know, we've been pursuing a very deliberate strategy over many, many years, which is about diversifying the business and customer base, building a, you know, global sales channel and relationships. And we have the largest optical sales force in the world by an order of magnitude. Secondly, because of our scale, we're able to invest more than anybody else, considerably more than anybody else. And, you know, the point is we've been doing that and pursuing that strategy for a number of years, and that's had a compounding effect. So, you know, we are deeply entrenched with many of the major carriers around the world and the content players. And so you take that together with the fact that we've got the best technology in the world and the most innovative roadmap. And, you know, that's what's compounding, you know, our uh, success in the marketplace. So, you know, we have number one market share in the world, um, you know, when compared to the more generalist providers. And then the smaller players, frankly, just have not got the investment capability to, to deal with us or compete with us. And then, you know, the other dimension comes in play. Many of our competitors, you know, are distracted with, you know, integrations or other uh, issues. And I think we have the, the combination of automation software and leading optical technology to deliver the adaptive network. And frankly, you know, Phil, nobody has that capability. That's what I was um, thinking about in terms, you know, kind of, what I was going for in terms of looking at the how you're selling it question, um, you know, yeah. I, I wonder how much of your uh, talks with customers are are poor, talks about the entire portfolio as opposed to one specific um, problem or, you know, technology area. Because it seems to be that everything, yeah. se- everything finally seems to be working together now. Yeah, I think that's a... Uh yeah, I think that's a very fair comment, you know, and, and Phil, you've watched us over the years. We've placed some of these bets on investments in things like software automation, um, you know, the packet portfolio, and then the optical innovation. And, and those elements all come together to deliver, you know, a complete solution. And it's no longer, you know, you look at the larger carriers, people like CenturyLink, et cetera, you know, they no longer look at decisions in a discrete element like, you know, metro right. or regional or long haul or, you know, from an optical transmission point of view. Mm-hmm. They're looking for a complete network architecture, you know, that delivers. And, and, and how do they deliver that and automate that network as well? And those are the key elements. And frankly, we have all of the key elements of that and the best technology in each of those spaces, which you know, I think he's incredibly compelling. Yeah, CenturyLink's been pretty um, upfront about their automation um, initiative. And, and, you know, not just from a, um, from a cost savings point of view, but they genuinely think it's, a, it's, you know, if they automate the right things in the right way, they'll have a, um, a market advantage, you know, against other players, especially um, with the level three business. So um, I definitely have seen that, you know, have, have seen at least that carrier get very vocal about, um, the advantage that automation brings and also having the right orchestration in place and how, what a big difference that makes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would absolutely concur with them. It's, it's, you know, it's not just cost reduction. It's the ability to have agile and adaptive services and be able to deliver those fast 
you know, and, and different kinds of bandwidth and deliver it quickly and have the agility to do that. And so, you know, it's not just cost reduction. It's it's also about creating new services and, and customer relationships. Yeah, we'll have to see on the new services stuff. I think that's where where the industry is right now is we're, we're waiting around on, um, you know, NFV and SDN yeah. got, got us to a point. And we're yeah. sort of waiting to see what happens next. Um, before we talk about yeah. 5G, and, I, and, I, and I'm aware you might be having to leave in a couple of minutes, um, I did want you to weigh in on, on the Huawei thing. Um, it, I know the tendency is not to speak about competitors specifically, but does this seem to open up uh, opportunities for Sienna around the world now that this company has um, not only hit some, you know, had some trouble uh, with you know, different governments and, 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 uh, and so on. But, um, it, it just may be that dealing with them, um, you know, that, that, that carriers are starting to have doubts about when and where they place equipment in their network. Listen, I, I think this, you know, though it's got a lot of publicity, obviously, you know, you know, from our perspective, this sort of dynamic has been in play for, for quite a while. Um, you know, and we've, we've seen particularly over the last couple of years a dynamic where, you know, large carriers from around the world, um, you know, of, of sort of A, I think, looked at sort of rebalancing their, their vendor uh, decisions and partnership decisions. Um, and also coupled with the point I was talking about earlier around this sort of flight to flight to quality, if you will, you know, meaning you know, they want leading innovation and the ability and a company that has a strong balance sheet and scale to be able to assure their continuity of supply of innovation in the future. So, you know, I think you've got a couple of dynamics in play there, you know, not least of which, you know, Huawei has such a large, massive market share of telecom infrastructure worldwide. Right. I think it's only natural for certain large carriers and users to, you know, be reflective around, you know, balancing that, that, that concentration. And I think particularly, you know, Sienna has number one market share in the world in the optical transport space. We're an obvious vendor of choice there, um, you know, because we've got leading technology. We've got, a, you know, a strong balance sheet. We're the only Western player in, in the optical world that is growing and has a strong uh, uh, balance sheet and, you know, is making money. Um, and so, you know, when you look at the sort of industry dynamics, Sienna is a natural choice for that. But these dynamics have been in play. I don't think they're anything, they're anything particularly new. Okay. So recent events, uh, notwithstanding, you've, you, you, you're seeing carriers actively rebalancing their portfolios around the world anyway. And I think that's only natural. And, you you know, we, we've seen that dynamic for the last couple of years. Now, you know, who knows? You know, I can't speculate on, on, you know, the outcome of the, you know, the current things. And, you know, it would be wrong of me to do so. Um, but the basic dynamic has been in play for a while. Um, last thing about, uh, you know, the what your customers are buying and why. Um, have you noticed the... the uh, or, or what? I guess what changes have you noticed in their um, interest and portfolio mix as it relates to five G? Are uh, is is a five G build out happening specifically for five G, or is there just a general um, you know network rebuild happening 
because we're, we've yeah. reached that point where technology sort of needs to either improve or go away, I guess. I would say, you know, I can point to one or two, you know, obviously build out specifically for for 5G. But generally speaking, I think, Phil, we're going through a, um, you know, a refresh over the whole network architecture where they're looking to build these, you know, converged networks, point number one, number two, you know, the automation conversation that we were just having. And so I think you're generally seeing that now. When these major carriers are doing that, they're obviously mindful, particularly when you look at sort of converged metro architectures, they're obviously incredibly mindful around using that network to, for 5G. And so, you know, it's difficult to discern how much of that is in anticipation of 5G, but we are absolutely definitely seeing that dynamic in play where many carriers around the world, when they're considering, you know, the densification of fiber closer to the customers are doing that in anticipation of, 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 of 5G. You know, there's no bright line there between, hey, this is a 5G investment and this isn't. Um, yeah. Because they're, because they're thinking about it in a converged way. And, you know, people like Verizon and AT&T, you know, I think that's very much the case. Yeah, in fact, they've even done the thing internally where they've started making um, what used to be discrete parts of the company in terms of their infrastructure reporting to the same senior executives up the chain, something we didn't see a few years ago. So, yeah, um, And then you've seen that in other carriers around the world as well now, Phil. You, you mm -hmm. are. It's, it's a single converged network that they're, uh, you know, everybody's trying to get to. Do I have time for one last question? Yeah, I don't, I don't have the, the ability, even though we're on Skype, I don't have the ability to see the uh, um, the, the PR people pulling your arm as a, or, or, or whatever they do to get you off the phone. <laughs> um, so my colleague, uh, Ray LaMaitre, is, um, put, put forth the idea the other day that, uh, that maybe the RFPs, uh, the, the way that equipment and technology is procured in the industry that maybe it's it's time has come and 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 there um that that these sorts of conversations don't just happen by carriers putting out a piece of paper and everyone sort of um either right. building building to spec or or applying to it um i know you're you know i i, I know that, that this is a general type of question but do do you uh do you guys at sienna see that that uh that this is happening, that the way uh, carriers are yes. approaching vendors is changing? Absolutely. And what is that change exactly? Is it just sort of, um, do they start as technology conversations or is it sort of, you know, solving a big problem? Like I need, you know, to cover this much space with this much, uh, you know, cellular bandwidth. I would say the, the whole conversation is, is I, I, would, I would very much agree with Ray's, uh, you know, hypothesis here, if that's what it is. Um, you know, I, I think the, the engagement with our customers has changed over the last few years, Ray, because it's more about a partnership now. Uh, and it's sort of back to what I was saying around this sort of flight to quality. It's about they're choosing business partners now. Because, I mean, it used to be, and, and you'll recall this, Phil, you know, in just the optical transport side, there used to be 20-odd players around the world. Yeah. There aren't anymore. And so, you know, the, the, the carriers are looking for more strategic partners that they can work with around their business solutions, around the economics, around 
their capacity provision over a long period of time, their automation, their service creation, and really they're looking for a partnership. Um, you know, and, and the RFP was a tool that really, you know, frankly, was a tool when there was 20, 30 players, you knew exactly what you wanted. And it was a point solution. You know, you wanted a metro or a long call between the, the world's changing now on that. And I think the relationships evolving and very often and most often now it's more of a partnership and we don't actually enter into an RFP. Now, listen, you know, there's a commercial arrangement and there's enough tension on there for them to, uh, you know, uh, feel comfortable with that. Right. But, you know, the days of, you know, replying to multiple RFPs, I think, are, are, are somewhat numbered now. This podcast was brought to you by Farrah Coffee in Austin, Texas. That's my favorite coffee brand. And until we get an official sponsor, I'm going to endorse their fine products and the uh, life-giving fuel they provide our editorial operations. That said, uh, sponsorship opportunities are available. Please email sales at lightreading.com for more info. The podcast is mixed and edited by the great Tian Fu, senior producer on the Light Reading video team. The music was written and performed by Olive Music, and it was licensed by Premium Beat. The Light Reading podcast is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and SoundCloud. And of course, you can always find the most recent episodes of this show and the telecoms.com podcast by going to www.lightreading.com. Do you have a question for us or want to suggest a podcast guest? Please do by dropping a line uh, to editors at lightreading.com. Or if you're on Twitter, you can find me there. I'm at Future Phil on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.